I didn't have anything because I was so angry at the time. I thought, there's nothing I want to do. And I just heard about the Invictus Games and I thought, oh, I'll put that down because it's just a goal to have. So I put that down and yeah, so this year I, I went there and represented UK at the Invictus Games in Germany. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Charles, welcome back to Disabled and Proud. Thanks so much for having me. No, thanks so much for coming back. You are... You are one of few guests who um who has come back, so I'm pretty glad that you are here. Does that say more about me or more about you? Um, more about you because people okay. always want to come back. So, oh, right. Here we are. Um, so for those who don't know, Charlie was episode three of Disabled and Proud, and now we are on episode eighty-five. I want to say. And you've come back to have a little catch up. I have, like over a year later, and a lot has happened. Yeah, I mean, your life has kind of done a whole 180, 360. It's actually done like more than that. So I'm actually really looking forward to getting into that conversation with you because I think as time's gone on, the way that you might feel about your disability might have progressed. Yeah, 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 I think so. Oh, it's exciting. So, as you well know, the first question that I ask every guest is, how do you refer to your disability? And if you've listened to episode three, you can skip this bit. But if you haven't, let's do a whistle-stop tour of what your disability is. Um, so I am a below-knee amputee, um, have been since November 2020, November 12th, November, uh, 2020. Um, I became an amputee because, do you want to know the full story? Yeah, please, full story. And like... Do as much or as little as you want with it. Okay. Um, So I got injured in 2012 in the army. I was just running battle PT, uh, went down, um, felt like I'd broken my leg. And I was told to carry on. Yeah, shock horror. Um, And was told to carry on. So I carried on. Two weeks later, I went to the med centre. It was still black and swollen. But the doctor told me that I had chin splints. He didn't x-ray me. He didn't scan me, nothing. I asked for it, but he said, go on. Just out of like curiosity and my own personal question on this one. Mm -hmm. But because you went down and you said like you felt like you'd broken your leg and you'd obviously relayed that information. Why were you not sent to like the med center in the first place? Just because they told me to stand up and carry on. And that's what you do in the army. Dreaming it. Isn't it just? Not that we're bashing the army on this like episode, but it's a very interesting tale. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that happened. So I went to med centre. They said I've got shin splints, didn't x-ray me. So I went to physio. They treated me for four months for shin splints, which is all strength building, like deadlifts and box jumps, plyometric stuff. Um, the pain was getting worse. Mm-hmm. So eventually I got sent back to hospital this time, had an MRI scan. Uh, by the time we got the results, it was five months post-injury. And they said, yep, you've got a spiral fracture from five months ago. So I had a three-inch spiral fracture all up my tibia, down by my ankle, just above the bottom joint there. Um, and from there, I then had six weeks off the leg because they thought that was a good idea then, but that should have been done, obviously, back when it first got injured. Um, so I had six weeks off, and then when I came back, I essentially just had the same physio again for a year. Um mm-hmm. 
the pain never went away, but the bone itself healed. So the pain was getting worse, actually, but the bone healed. So after a year of treatment, they sent me to a civvy uh, rheumatologist who essentially said, well, he did say that I was lying about my pain. He said, there's nothing wrong with the bone. He's lying about his pain. Um, I would discharge him. And if he's serious, tell him to get fit and rejoin. If he's not, you won't see him again. That's essentially what the letter said. Um, oh my gosh. Cool. And I got sent the letter as well. So the my military doctor got sent the letter, but I also got sent a copy. So Do you have cool. it framed in your house I as mean, a reminder? I mean, no. Um, I've got it somewhere. I don't know where, um, but I have got it still. And I will never forget that doctor's name. I won't tell anyone, but I'll never forget his name. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so they discharged me in January 2014. Uh, and yeah, said, if you get fit again, you can rejoin. All I'd ever wanted to do was be in the army. So that was it. I was like, well, in that case, if they think I'm lying, I must be lying. So I was doubting myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was trying to get fit all the time. Did that for a few years. The more I tried, the longer I'd have to have off. So if I tried to get fit for three months, I'd have to have a week off. Then eventually it was two months to a week and then a month to a week. And then I just couldn't do anything. So mm-hmm. I'm talking like 2016, 17, 18. I couldn't do anything really. Um anything I did do put me out of action for weeks and that's how I live my life people still telling me that I was lying about it there's nothing wrong with me just take ibuprofen take paracetamol um that kind of stuff which is pretty demoralizing when you're in quite a lot of pain so mm-hmm. we'll get to the pain in a minute but in 2018 I moved house and we I found a new GP and went to him and he essentially said you've got complex regional pain syndrome And I was like, first of all, what's that? And second of all, what can we do about it? And it's pretty much the worst, well, it is the worst pain condition doctors know of. Um, Mm -hmm. So what it is, is when you, your pain receptors in your leg, so my leg, the pain receptors were sending signals to my brain of amplified massive pain. Um, So you couldn't see anything was wrong with it. There were tiny little things that were wrong. Um, So hair loss, skin texture difference, and skin colour was slightly different, but nothing Mm -hmm. major. You wouldn't think anything of it. Um, You wouldn't think it was bad as it was. So I'd have five minutes of pain that was like a a boiling hot knife stabbed through my ankle, and then the next five minutes would be freezing cold being smashed with a hammer, and that was relentless, like 24-7, every five minutes the pain would change. Mm -hmm. That's how that was for, well, it just got worse and worse from initial injury all the way through. Um, and while I had that pain, everyone was telling me I was lying about it, which is, that was hard, like really hard. Um, That's really difficult to be told that you're lying about the pain that you're in. And, and interestingly, a point that I made before is that you going through that, someone telling you that you're lying, we quite often associate with medical misogyny. And for a guy to go through that, now I'm not talking about like, we're talking very, very generally here, we're talking between me and you, but actually, you know, if you're a guy presenting, whatever. But for someone of opposite sex who generally doesn't really experience medical misogyny that much, to have that experience where someone was telling you to your face that you're lying about the pain you're in when when you quite clearly aren't, must have been quite a, a harrowing experience, but then also an interesting one for you to have because now you can kind of empathize a bit more with women who go through that kind of experience so I growing up I was very focused very driven anything I wanted to do I would do it and nothing would stop me and I was quite selfish with it um it was all about me 
if I wanted to do something, I would do it no matter what the cost. Yeah. Um, and to then just have this put on me, uh, as someone so driven to be then be told, well, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, well, that's not me. That can't be true because I've never been like that. That How can this be? Mm-hmm. Um, then you start doubting everything. And that doesn't just come up with the leg. You start doubting everything in life because um, it went on for so many years. Like I just That's why one of the reasons I withdrew myself. I got angry, like really angry. That was a massive issue for me. Um, I just hated the world and everything about it because how could it, it was just unfair and how could it happen to me and why was this happening, that kind of thing. Um, and that's where my life went for six years, just getting worse and worse into that hole. And it's wild that this could have all been prevented had someone just listened to you when you said that you'd broken your leg. Yeah, so with CRPS, is if it's caught within six months, generally you can treat it and it's kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas I didn't get told I had it for six years. And then when I got to a six-year point, I then had everything thrown at me. So the medication, the uh, spinal injections, uh, surgery, I had um, intensive physio, all that for a year. And then, yeah, after that year, um, I'd kind of had enough. I did a lot of research into it. And I saw studies in Europe were quite positive about amputation, whereas in the UK they weren't. Um, people mm-hmm. just didn't do it because they were scared of it traveling up the leg. Because it's all pain receptors. Obviously, you've got pain receptors everywhere. And in the, particularly the UK studies, they said that the pain pathways go up your receptors and receptors further up will get it. So if you chop off where the pain is, the pain will then come back where you've chopped Please. it. But I read European studies and they were much more positive, saying, oh, if you get rid of it, that's kind of it. So I was like, right, I, I met some guys through Help for Heroes that had, had the same thing mm-hmm. and had their legs cut off and they were fine. Um, so I thought I'd rather have the risk of getting it chopped off and having the pain still because I just couldn't live with it anymore. It was just, it was awful. Like, it, was, it was it was bad. Um, yeah. So I thought that's the only way I've got, of the only chance I've got of escaping it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found Alex Crick, my surgeon. And yeah, when I saw her, she I wrote a massive essay to kind of try and persuade her to get my leg cut off. Um, she did a five-minute assessment of my leg. I didn't really think, she didn't seem very interested at the time, but I've learned to know that's just who she is. Um, and <laughs> she's, she's amazing. She's mega. She's like the best person. She's my hero, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I got out this two-page essay that I'd written to, for, for her to kind of persuade her that I wanted my leg off and, and why I did got a couple of sentences in and she's like, why are you reading me this? And I was like, because this means so much. I, I genuinely want this cut off. And she's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll cut your leg off. And that was, yeah. I and that was could that. not love that more. And the reason I say this is because I know you quite well, like we're good friends and yeah. you're, you have, and this is self-confessed, you have the emotional range of a teaspoon, but yeah. the fact that you sat down and wrote like a two-page essay on why you wanted your leg off and then someone shut you up five like yeah. five words into it is amazing yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah the effort into writing that yeah and I just I kind of love that you like took the time to pour your heart out and be like I really want this this is something that I really want and someone was like yeah no it's fine like I can see that you need this yeah. this was completely unnecessary yeah which yeah, is- it takes a lot for me to kind of open up a bit and that's what I did in that like essay thing and then for her to go yeah don't worry about it mate I was like cool <laughs> thank you so yeah. much it's exactly what I wanted <laughs> yeah it really is and, and yeah so 
that was that was November 2019. I was meant to have it off in March 2020. COVID hit, so that all stopped that. So eventually got it mm-hmm. off in November 2020, November 12th. But wow. went in surgery, obviously massive pain. Woke up and I've had nothing since. No pain at all. Wow. That, yeah. I mean, considering that you had like, what, six years of pure pain and it was relentless. Yeah. Like you said, like every five <clears throat> minutes there was, you know, like a new, not a new pain, but it was switching between one thing and another. And and essentially yeah. you're not really getting anywhere with it. And And like you said, it completely changed who you were as a person because obviously how could it not? How could you be in pain and still do what you wanted to do? I mean, you, you couldn't be in the army anymore. So that meant that your whole career trajectory had changed. Yeah. With that experience, so now that you're three, you're three years post AMP, your life has completely changed. Yeah, massively, like massively. And as someone who knows you, it feels like you have your drive and your goals back. And now that you're like three, three years post, what, what do you do for work now? Uh, So since I've last spoken to you, um, I don't think I was doing anything when I last spoke to you. Um, I now own a CrossFit gym. Um, I'm head coach and owner of CrossFit 258 in Blanford. Um, it's going really well. I love it. It's, yeah, it's it's amazing. And I only started CrossFit. So I started CrossFit. People might not know this. Is I started in February 2021 in the Open. Um, I'd never done it before. I was three, four months post-op, three or four months post-op. Um and yeah, I thought I want to do something because I'd done nothing for so long and hadn't been able to, and I'd been forced to do nothing. And I'd just been in massive pain. I thought, what can I do? That's basically everything, um, as much as you can possibly do. I'd heard about CrossFit because my physio that I'd had when I had my leg was based in a CrossFit gym. I'd seen them all and gone, Oh, look at them idiots and all that kind of thing, like running around and jumping around and doing all this. And I was suddenly like, wait, I can do this now. So why don't I give it a go? Fell in love with it. And yeah, three years later, I own my own, well, I've had it a year now. It's been open just over a year. Um, got my own gym. I compete now. Um, and yes. Also, I think you're missing out another quite vital like piece of your own history here is that not only are you a CrossFitter and you're a CrossFit box owner, there's also like another really big event that you took part in this year. Um. Yeah, so Invictus Games, that was this year, um, which for me was quite big because in 2016, I got help from Help Heroes. Um, I was quite, I got really angry, obviously, with being told I was lying about pain and all of that. I got in a really bad way, like really bad. Um, so I got help from Help Heroes. My dad set it up for me because I was too stubborn to accept I needed help. Um, that doesn't sound like you at all. Mad, isn't it? Oh my god, who'd have thought? Um, and in my first session, they give you goals that you need. Um, so like my short term goal was go to the shop basically, like in the daytime because I used to go at two or three in the morning because there wouldn't be other people there, so I couldn't be around people. Um, so that was my first short term goal was go to the shop in the middle of the day, um, which uh-huh. is seems stupid now, but that's where I was. Um, and my 10 year goal, my long term. I didn't have anything because I was so angry at the time. I thought, there's nothing I want to do. And I just heard about the Invictus Games and I thought, oh, I'll put that down because it's just a goal to have. So I put that down and, yeah, so this year I, I went there and represented UK at the Invictus Games in Germany, which was, yeah, pretty surreal. It was cool. I just think that 
I don't think you realize yourself what you go through or what you've been through because you're very quick to just brush off the experience that you had and you very rarely tell people about the things that you do because you think that you're like you're being egotistical but you're not because I'm asking you these questions so like I get enjoyment from this what was the experience like of going to the Invictus Games um yeah surreal amazing because I'm such a you are right I'm very much you get these people that they have a goal and when they get there they brush it off and need another goal the goal just changes Mm. uh so in in CrossFit so I get a movement or a lift of a specific weight that I've been going for ages, you'll see some people like really celebrating it. Whereas I'll just think, right, I need to get heavier now. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really celebrate myself. Um, I really struggle with that. Um, That's something, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. It's just something I struggle with. It's something that I'm working on. Yeah, how cliche is that? Um, But that's just who I am. So to go there, um, it was incredible. Um, so I did wheelchair rugby, sitting volleyball, which I was the captain for. Um, I was going to do rowing, but the rugby wiped me out. Um, so the rugby was the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing for me because my role in the rugby team was ball carrier. So essentially in, in wheelchair rugby, you've got the ball carrier that holds the ball and everyone else does the hard work. So they block all the players. And all I've got to do is go and score because they do their work and then I just go through. So I've got the easy job, but I score all the time. I've got a mullet. I mean, I look fantastic. Um, so people in Germany, stop it. Um, people in Germany, they love me. So anytime I left the arena, I was getting mobbed, like properly mobbed for two or three days. Um, I'd never experienced anything like it. And for me as a person, I mean, you can imagine what I was like there. Like it was, it was the worst experience for me, but also very humbling um mm-hmm. because i mean there there was a german army i've got a german army parachute regiment that have, like adopted me um still now they message me every day um and there were busloads of school kids that would come up and just ask my picture ask for autographs which for me was really difficult but it was also quite a good moment for me because i've always i've never liked that kind of thing as much mm-hmm. as i come across as brash and, and a, a big personality i would rather be by myself and i train by myself i do all that by myself um I'm very within myself, but at competitions, I wear crop tops. I've got the hair. I look confident, um, but that's just my, that's just who I am. Um, So to have all these people wanting to get to know me and wanting pictures and stuff, I kind of needed it to kind of get me out of my comfort zone. So one, it was out of my comfort zone for working in a team sport because I just don't do team sports. Um, And two, it was out of my comfort zone for mixing with people and just being surrounded by people that are kind of happy to see me. And yeah, it's very cliche and very, that that's what it, yeah, it was good. It's not cliche at all though. And I think like, I'm telling you this as a friend, not as someone whose podcast you're on, but you can celebrate yourself because the things that you have done in the past, like three years are incredible. And again, I'm not just saying that because you're one of my friends. Like I'd tell you that anyway, because the things that you have achieved are amazing. But actually I was wondering, Considering you're now three years on from your amputation, has your view of your disability changed or how you feel about your disability? Has that changed since your like since the moment you woke up? And like has that changed from year one and then year two and then year three? Or have you felt the same way kind of all the way through? So I I think now 
I don't see myself as any different from anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can do everything, there's nothing I've found yet that I can't do. There's things that I've got to work on and do differently, but I just push myself to do everything normally. Um, I won't let anything get in my way. Um, so yes, year one was very much learning how to do things and how do we do this, how do we do that. Year two was when CrossFit kind of got really good for me. So it was going better mm-hmm. and I was, I was training. And this year, like every day apart from putting my leg on in the morning, I don't see any difference between me and anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing, really. Um, I forget that I am disabled, really. But I also think that that's so interesting because you've gone from having that experience that wasn't like the best part of your life where, you know, like had someone done something sooner to interject, you wouldn't necessarily be where you are now. But equally, like in saying that had someone interjected, you wouldn't be where you are now. And who's to say that that's better or worse. But you've had an experience that wasn't necessarily very pleasant at all. And then you come out, you've made a really, a really bold decision in, you know, wanting your leg removed, which is a bold decision regardless of of who you are. And then coming out the other side, opening your own business, going to the Invictus Games. And now you've gone from being non-disabled, then going to, to being disabled, but equally in that realizing that there's absolutely no difference in it. And what yeah. does that feel like? Because obviously you have had the experience of having a non-disabled body to now having a disabled body. So what what was that like? In terms of your like mental health journey, that particular question is the one I think is really fascinating as time's gone on. Yeah. Um, so I think essentially I've had three lives. I've had my life before I got injured. Um where I was this driven, nothing will stop me. I don't need anyone in my life. Kind of, I can do it all myself. Everything, I can do everything. Um, just, yeah, I think I was a bit selfish. That's what I was, is non-disabled. Then I got injured um, and had this injury where I just lost everything, lost all my confidence. I got angry, just hated the world for everything because I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do what I used to. Um, lost all my friends. I just alienated myself. Um, didn't go out because I didn't want to show that I was weak. Um, because showing weakness for me was the biggest thing that I just couldn't live with. Um, so I just stayed inside, didn't speak to anyone. Um, and that was, that was eight years of my life. And then I've had my leg off and I'm not in pain anymore and I can do stuff. And I've just been growing the last three years. Um, which yeah, year one I was kind of finding my feet, my feet, um, and then year two, I uh, <coughs> sorry, um, year two was realizing all the stuff I can do, and year three, like now, I've had a massive goal that I've hit, and then I think year four is going to be the best one for me because in the CrossFit world, like I've just changed coach, um, CrossFit Games have just changed the amount of people going to the games and the categories, mm-hmm. so for me this year from now is working to go to the CrossFit Games next year. Um, And if I look back on these three or four years, to say that year three I'm going to the Invictus Games and year four I'm attempting to go to the CrossFit Games, like I'd not even started CrossFit four years ago, not even three years ago yet. And I'm already looking at hopefully that's my goal for next year is go to the CrossFit Games. Um, And I don't really often sit back and think about it. 
because I don't like to. Um, but it is big. As much as I kind of want to play it down and want to kind of move on to the next question, it is big. Um, it's mega. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is. It's mega. And like, I like to be able to facilitate that space for you to think about that because, like I yeah, said, thanks I very much. Because you know, I hate no, it. No. See, you're like full of sarcasm. Just appreciate yourself. But actually, there is something that I really want to ask you, and it's it's surrounding the sunglasses and Prince Harry. Can you please tell yeah. me that story? Well, actually, not just me, but like everybody who's listening. Please tell me this story. <laughs> so I got into Hello Magazine, which is the highlight of my life, um, because we let the Invictus Games on the Saturday morning before the Games. We went to the British consulate in Dusseldorf, and Prince Harry turned up. And I obviously had my Pit Viper sunglasses because they're cool. Um, and he was walking around talking to people and he saw me. And first of all, he touched my hair. He was like, your hair's amazing. And I was like, oh, you can touch it if you want to. So he came up and literally did that on my hair. Um, which, so yeah, Prince Harry's touched my hair. Um, but he was smiling. He was so cool. He was, he was just like one of us. Um, and as he was leaving, I just said to him, oh, can I have a picture with you with my sunglasses? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, just put sunglasses on him and had a picture with him. And somehow Hello Magazine picked it up. And yeah, I was in Hello Magazine with Prince Harry wearing my sunglasses. <laughs> Dream come true. Highlight the Invictus Games, that was. I also think it's worth mentioning that you don't own a hairbrush. <laughs> what do you mean? I got fingers and I just run, just wash it, scrumple it up a bit. Be all right? I mean... I don't know whether it's Lucky Prince Harry or Poor Prince Harry, but either way, like he's touched what? your hair. I washed my hair that morning, actually. So, so it's Lucky Prince Harry. Yeah, I've not <laughs> I've not washed it since, obviously, because he's touched it. So, that's a bold statement to make. Mm. Is it true? Ooh. It probably is. Yeah, film. With everything that you've done, and with with everything that's changing in CrossFit, how do you feel about the adaptive arena of CrossFit now? Uh, mega. So I went to Wheelwood last year. Didn't go this year because I'm focusing on the Open. Um, I'm gutted not to go because I qualified again. And I was injured last year for Wheelwood. I had a pretty bad shoulder injury. Um, loved it. Their programming, the way they treat the athletes, everything about Wheelwood is incredible. So Wheelwood are essentially the first people to do adaptive CrossFit. They've been doing it for over 10 years now. CrossFit brought in the adaptive competition in 21 when I first did it. Um, and they were just a bit rubbish at it. Um, they didn't really seem to care. It, it kind of seemed like, I own a CrossFit gym, so I, I can say I don't care. Um, it kind of seemed like we were a token for them. So they would take five people. So I'll just split it into my category because that's what I know. Um, but they would take five lower limb extremity to the games. They would take five upper limb and they would take five neurological, I believe it was at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was it. Um, so three categories and five people from each. And in my category, you've got above knee amputees, below knee amputees, and then people with two feet that have got um, things like drop foot, club foot, um, and issues with their feet um, or knees or anything. And to put all of those people in the same category isn't really fair because we've all got limitations going down. You've got different limitations. So it was difficult to split them into that category, but they did that anyway. They only took five. 
Whereas we award now are going to take 10 above knee amputees, 10 below knee amputees, and 10 people with two full legs that have issues with those legs. Um, and that for the that for CrossFit, for adaptive CrossFit is insane. That's amazing. That's because CrossFit Games have given it to Wheelward. So it's still the CrossFit Games, but Wheelward are running it. So they're doing all the programming. And for adaptive CrossFit, it's massive. It will give us a massive platform. We're getting our own competition. A lot of people don't like the fact we're getting a different competition, but I think it's a really good thing because all the focus is on us then. Um, and it's just going to, it's going to be so good. I'm, I can't wait. It's going to be really, really good. If I, if I make it or not, I don't care because as a competition, it's going to be so cool. Yeah. I my I think our feelings are very similar on this. I actually haven't spoken to an adaptive athlete who is unhappy with the changes. And I think much like you, mm. like the category that I was in was, was split. Well, it wasn't even really split at all. It was just upper extremity uh, adaptive athletes. And, and like you, there were people who I was competing against who had full use of their elbow, who had full use of their wrist. Yeah. And now, now for me to compete against someone who has full use of their wrist is unfair. And I, and I don't mean yeah. that as in like, I'm spitting the toys out of my pram unfair. I mean, unfair in the sense that the movement that they can do and the movement that I can do are two very, very different things. So much like you, I'm yeah. really looking forward to the next year because I think you're right. I think Wheelward are going to bring something really different to CrossFit. And I think it is going to be just a bit bigger and just a bit better. And it's yeah. not unfair what you said about CrossFit feeling very tokenistic because it was almost like they did the bare minimum with what they had. And it wasn't as if people didn't try and help or didn't try and give them pointers. I mean, like you said, Will would have been doing this for over 10 years and I'm pretty sure a lot of people from their organization would have been like, hey, heads up, you could do this yeah. just a bit better. But they just chose to ignore it until they couldn't really ignore it anymore because there was so much backlash from the adaptive community. That's a good thing as well. Like the adapt, like you say, the adaptive community, we will speak up. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people did made big noise about it and they had to change it because it just wasn't fair. And it's not it, like you say, it's not us kicking our feet. It's not us throwing our toys out the pram. It's just us being realistic. Like we can't compete against people. And even like, I know some people that, Again, I'll go back to my category because it's what I know. There are some people in my category that are disabled but have two feet or two knees or or anything that's different from anyone else going, this isn't fair, but this is the category I'm in, but I'm going to beat these people because anatomically I've got parts of my body that they haven't. And it just it will just make it a lot fairer across the board to give a, a level playing field for all the competition. Yeah. That, and that, I think, is really key because it's not been a level playing field and it'll be nice to have a level playing field. But equally, it also goes to show that there are so much complexities when we're talking about disabled sports. Like, regardless of what your sports is, it's very difficult to try and program disabled sports that is going to suit the vast majority because, as we all know, dis disability and being disabled is incredibly individual. And trying to almost, like, flatten the playing field when actually it should be about raising different people up so that they're at the same level is, is two very very different things mm -hmm. now, with with your coaching has it made you from from being someone who is non-disabled to then being someone who's disabled and, and now you have your coach and you have your own box and you're doing all these really cool things has it made you want to work with the adaptive community Yes, like massively, um, because 
it's how I got into, so I started CrossFit essentially to get better at real life. I didn't start CrossFit to compete. I just fell in love with it. Um, kind of did all right and then learned I could compete. Um, so I started so that my life outside the gym would be easier. Um, so that in later life I could continue doing things for as long as possible without having to become wheelchair reliant or without having to become reliant on other people. Um, so I want to work with people to make, just make them realize that they can do anything. But the thing, when I started the gym, I wanted to work with the adaptive community, but as it's gone on, I've realized that there are lots of non-disabled people that don't think they can do stuff. Like people that maybe over the years have put weight on or people that haven't, haven't moved, don't have to be overweight. They've just haven't moved. And they think they can't do things. So now instead of just being adaptive, it goes for everyone. Like, and my empathy levels have gone up loads. Um, I never used to be like this. I didn't want to help people. But having opened the gym and seeing how much of a difference, especially a year, a year down the line, seeing the difference in some people, it just makes me proud to have been just a small part. Like all I do is I own a gym and I tell them what to do. But to see them grow is massive for me. And I never thought that would be for me because I was never that person. Um, and there are people in the gym that have helped me with that. Um, it's not just a me thing. That's It's the people around me that have helped me with that. Um, I've grown as a person because of people that have told me or, or guided me a bit, I guess. Um, and to have that community around you and to be like, yeah, fair one, these people are improving and their life's improving. It's just, it's amazing. It's really cool. Listen to you being all heartfelt. Isn't this sweet? Who am I? Okay, so like context-wise for listeners, this is probably like the most emotional Charlie will ever get. This is like, this is right up there. Like he, this is him like pouring his heart on his sleeve. So this is actually quite big. And and actually on that note, I am really proud of you for talking about this because I know it's not topics that you talk about very often, particularly as you said, you're not someone who likes to burden people. You don't like to talk about your problems and you're very much self-reliant. So the fact that you're even sharing these stories with me is is mega. So I want to thank you for that. No worries. It's nice because it's you and I like you, so it's, I can talk to you. It's when this comes out and I'm like, oh, yeah, I spoke about all of that. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, but I Not actually, soon. I think there's a lot to be said, though, for the fact that you don't, you do, like like you've already said you don't celebrate yourself enough it's not something that you do but actually I think probably on reflection you need to realize like how much you've done in such a short space of time and actually I remember we had this conversation way back when I started this podcast and you said having my leg cut off was the best thing that ever happened to me and I'm thinking yeah it is it is the best thing that's ever happened to you because you're no longer in pain and you know like things don't hurt and and life is going to be changing but little did you know and little did I know how much your life really was going to change because now we're like, what, a year and six months down the line and, and look at your life now. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's different. Very different. Different good though, I hope. Oh, massively. Like massively. And it's, it's the little things that just, I think my trajectory, I, physically, like I'm where I want to be and all good and that... That for me is no biggie, but it's internally the stuff that I think opening the CrossFit gym has been almost up there with the amputation um, mm-hmm. because it's just made me just a better person, really. Um, yeah, because you were a dick before. Like I, said before. Oh, I was. I accept that. I'm still a dick now. 
Absolutely. But I'm a nicer dick, so that's what the members will say anyway. I'm no, I think sometimes. I I think that I think that you are I I think you're very self-deprecating. That was a big word. That was a big word. I know. Well done, me. Happy days. Oh, so proud. Honestly, I am of myself and of you. But actually, I think it's really interesting. Like as you said, year one after your amputation. Sorry, I'm bouncing around a bit because I've got lots of thoughts going on in my head. But actually, what you said about. Like what you said about year one being, you know, like you you kind of like you're relearning year two, finding your feet, year three, things are getting bigger and better. And year four is going to be like your best year yet. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you have any pieces of, of advice, not necessarily for the younger version of yourself, because I think you wouldn't change anything that's happened. I mean, obviously, maybe you'd miss out the pain bit, but, you know, without that, would you be you? Maybe not. But I was wondering if you had a piece of advice for someone who is going to be going through amputation or has just come out the other side of amputation. Um, take it steady for the first bit. It sounds like I've gone like, whoa, mental, like just um, just done everything all at once. But that first, I was very fortunate in my recovery. Um, I had a leg within five weeks. I was running within a month and a half. I was doing CrossFit after three months. That's very quick for an amputee, and I'm very aware of that, and I'm very fortunate. Um, I'll never say, like, oh, amazing, so I did this. It was just because I was fortunate. My body recovers quickly. Um, so if it's someone that's going to go through it or has just gone through it, take it easy. Just just relax. Let everything happen. Let the body heal. When it's healed, go for it. Do anything. Smash it. Nothing's going to stop you. Yeah. Only Only yourself can stop you. Um, and that's where I'm fortunate. It's, it's quite nice that I've got those two sides now, is I've got the old side of me still, which I'll do anything. I don't care. Um, I'll do anything. I'll try anything. I'll give it 100%. Um, I'll never go into anything half-heartedly. Um, but I've also now got, because of the gym and, and the members and everything, I've got the empathy and I've got the kind of niceness, I guess. Not too nice, but nice enough that I can just relax every now and then and, and just do chill out stuff whereas before I was very 100 miles an hour all the time whereas now I don't have to be I nap sometimes in the middle of the day that's big for you yeah isn't it so that is really big because you used to absolutely roast me for having a nap yep look at yesterday. you now lifting in the morning came back had a nap came back did me did me metcom I'm a little bit shocked. Yeah. Wow. Look at you, Charlie Hall, for going for a nap. Who do you think you are? You get it. I was wondering, over the like three years that you have been an amputee, is there any particular Hmm. questions that stick out that people have asked you about your leg? People ask. Well, less people ask now how it happened. I hate that one. Um, not for me. I don't hate it for me, but I've got mates that obviously are blown up. Just don't ask people how it happened. That's a very simple question, a very simple solution. Um, cause you never know what they've been through. Um, yeah, that's the one. I, I don't mind. I genuinely don't mind. Um, I just think it's a bit rude. Um, and I think me, that's a big difference between now me and like two years ago, me is I remember, um, walking 
through a park or something. I don't know where it was. Um, and a woman just came up to me, had never spoken to me before. How'd you lose your leg? I turned around to go, I went, how'd you get so fat? Like that, that's the kind of level we're at. Like you're commenting on my body, so I'll comment on your body. Simple, isn't it? That's, that's effectively what the question is. You've seen something on my body that is a bit weird, so you've, you've asked a question. I think it's weird that she was that size, so I asked her. She didn't like that. But now, wouldn't do that because I'm a nicer person. See, that's growth, that is. You're welcome. But, yeah, just don't ask that. I don't, that's not a question that I think in the general amputee world, I actually think I'm gonna I'm gonna like say disabled community in general because I don't think it's just like specific to amputees because I think if like I've had it as well when someone's come up to me and asked me a pretty similar question and and you're right you don't actually know what trauma you're asking about because you know that sometimes there is trauma associated to disability but equally sometimes there's not like there isn't always a big exciting tale to tell like my story is really not that exciting. And also, yeah. I'm not friends with you, so I don't need to let you know what that is. Yeah. I have one Other final that, question. I don't know what questions there would be. Um, no, I think that's it. I don't think there's been, I don't think there's been any questions. Obviously, the looks, they get annoying, got annoying. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I don't care anymore. Um, so, again, that's growth. Look at you just growing left, right, and center. Mad, isn't it? I have one final question for you, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but that would be: Are you disabled and proud? Yeah. Simple, isn't it? My life has got so much better since I lost my leg. Like, I'm yeah. Like I'll, I'll, yeah, um, everything I've done since I've lost my leg has been amazing and improved my life. Like year on year, it's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Oh, like I said, self-confessed person with the emotional range of a teaspoon, but actually I'm very proud of you as a person because I've got, I've been we really fortunate. Say like, I was going to say we could probably upgrade it to a soup spoon, do you reckon? A soup spoon. They're quite round. Yeah. They're like you, you yeah, can just about fit one in your mouth, can't you? A ta- I'm not. I'm not tablespoon. Dessert spoon. Uh yeah, I'd give you a dessert spoon actually. Okay, right. I'm happy. Yeah. With that. We're not yeah, full. We're, we're not going to steal it, are we? It's just like a little bit more than a teaspoon. Yeah, a little bit more than a teaspoon. Like if you were going to go for like your last bite of trifle on Christmas Day, like that's that's where we're we're yeah. ranging it to. Yeah, that's cool. Yes, yeah, you're, happy, you're happy with that yeah no that's fine yeah as someone who has got to witness your journey and and i wouldn't necessarily say i've come along for the ride because that's very much not our friendship but someone who has watched you go through this and and like seen you do some really cool things i think it's really amazing that actually you've really grown and developed like as you said like you have grown as a person but actually it just goes to show that sometimes like the worst period of your life you can come out the other side of that and and it can be a lot better and i just yeah. want to say that i'm super proud of you for talking to me today because i know that you don't open up ever <laughs> yeah I'll have, I'll have like three or four days now of just being completely quiet around everyone i won't speak to anyone because of this 
The old I'm teaspoon so emotion has come out again. Sorry for all the people that you come into contact with in the next couple yeah, of days. No, I'm, I'm sorry as well. Um, <laughs> but no, sorry, you said a minute ago, um, would you change anything about your life? Like nothing. Like that eight years, it was pretty shitty part of. Like it wasn't the best part. It wasn't like the happiest time of life. Um, it got pretty dark, but look where I am now. Like, it kind of, it moulds you, doesn't it? It does. Wouldn't have the empathy if you didn't have that. Well, that was something that you needed to gain, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I mean, that was a pretty shit way of gaining it, but we got it. Fair. Absolutely fair. I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me again because. I think the way that you look at life is very unique and you're maybe one of the most upfront people that I know and and you're very much no frills and no fluff and I hope that people have got that from this conversation but actually underneath that like super hard exterior you're actually one of the kindest and most gentle people I know and so thank you for giving up time to be on the pod today because I've loved talking to you. You're welcome. I've got kids CrossFit next. I, I teach CrossFit to kids as well children actual children they they, they love it i love it it's really cool (laughs) yeah get rid of that bit (laughs) oh amazing it's been so great chatting to you today thank you so much for coming on no thank you for having me thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast